And I'm sitting here going, they're being entertained. It's awesome. It looks good. It smells good. People are all cool, hip and all that, you know, cool preacher was up there and all that. And I, I like all that. But I'm sitting here going, we're missing something because the people that are sitting out here being entertained are still hurting. Hey, Pantry fam. Are you looking for more faith-based podcasts, but you don't know where to go? The Access More Podcast Network has over 40 shows on topics like faith, culture, family, and entertainment, and offers a safe space to discover inspiring conversations. So if you're a fan of this show, you're going to find encouragement, hope, and joy from other podcasts on Access More. Start listening today at accessmore.com. How does materialism, consumerism, and the American dream impact the church today? That's what we're here to answer, and we brought on a really cool guest to help us figure it out. And we are the Pantry Podcast. Man, I'm Shay. This is Michelle. And it is good to be here, man. Jesus, not junk food. Yes, yes. Amen. So yeah, we're going to talk about this today, and I think it's really important when we dig into this, because... Oh, c- come on, ever since the beginning of, of, the, of the fall, you know, we go back yeah. to Adam and Eve. We look at this emptiness that man has had and man has always tried to fill this emptiness. Now, what is that being filled with? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today and the choices that we make, the roads that we walk down. I know that Jesus brought it up once. He said, Jesus warned in Luke 12, 15, he said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So obviously we're pointing to the right thing here. We're pointing towards Jesus, but how does that play itself out? And you're right. I think that Tim Winders is the perfect guest for this. Yeah. So we decided to bring on our really good friend, Tim, because his story can speak to many different sides of how, like the issue of how the church handles finances, money, possessions, and how and what they're kind of trickling down to the members, what they're challenging the members to do. He is a strategic coach. He is an author, and he is the host of Seat Go Create, a podcast and YouTube interview show. And I made the cover art, just saying, <laughs> this, this most recent wave. But he's worked in leadership and business and money and ministry for almost 40 years. And I'm going to save this part that shares his story, because I want to save that for him. But we just want to welcome you on, Tim. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, brother. Man, it's so great to be here. And since the first time I listened to the Pantry podcast, I said to myself, I would love to be sitting there talking to them. So this is like a mini dream come true. For me. <laughs> it's been a long time in the making, but we've been waiting for that like perfect episode. Yes. Where it's like, he's perfect. Right. I think that there's some people who ask, like they didn't like invite themselves on the show, but they revealed that they would be down to be on it. And we're like, oh, we want you on it. Like we're going to write your name yeah. in pen with a question mark next to it of like what episode. But now that we're talking about something right up your alley. I think this is perfect. Right. Yeah, awesome. Well, I just, uh, I, I, I was okay if we didn't even record it and all that. I just wanted to sit around <laughs> and have the conversation with you guys because it seemed like so much fun and so Holy Spirit inspired and nourishing, right? Yeah. Right. Look, true. that's anytime. <laughs> you I know. Just, you just set that up. Yes. Because man, to pick your brain is just, yeah. Anyways. I know. We love picking your brain. So before we get deep into it, because I know we can go in so many directions, I'm going to ask this question the way I thought of it like five minutes ago. So why did we invite you on for this subject? Mm. I think it's because of the journey that I've been on. I, mm. I think everyone has a unique journey, but, but the journey that, that I've been on is, and my wife, we've been on it together is so interesting in that it weaves the spiritual it weaves the material, it weaves business, it weaves leadership. It's, uh, you know, and everybody has a story, there's no doubt. But to me, I think the reason that you guys probably want to talk to me is because y'all have gotten glimpses of (laughs) kind of the way we've gone through arriving at where we are today. And the fascinating thing, I think, let's go ahead and start off with this. My wife and I are nomads. We, we don't have a home. Uh, I was interviewing someone yesterday and I said, we're sort of like Abraham and Sarah. They said, oh, so you're going to have kids at 90. And I go, uh, maybe except for that. Not for that. <laughs> Unless God says so. Never. Right. <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, since 2013, we've been traveling and going wherever we believe God tells us or wants us to go or gives us permission to go might be sometimes the way it works. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, I'm sitting here right now in the passenger seat of a 39 foot class A motorhome, and the passenger seat is my office and my wife and I live, travel and work in that office that we name Theo, by the way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I, one thing in that though, he's like, we don't have a home. 
But you know, Michelle was telling Kalia the other day because we were out running around somewhere, and she's like, "I just miss our home, and I want to go home." And Michelle says, "She goes, you know, Kalia, where you, me, and Baba, where we're at, that's home." So I know that in this experience of being homeless, right, right, of this traveling and following the Holy Spirit, which is what I've always admired. Like I sit there and I, I think like, man, Tim is just rolling. Like he's everywhere. Now, of course, sometimes I'm also thinking like, wow, with this gas price is going up and diesel running out. What, I wonder what he's doing right now. But uh, but so how did you get there? Yeah. How did you get to this point of being in a 39 foot Theo? <laughs> yeah, well. There's a word that I've been meditating on so much recently, and that word is broken, being broken, mm. brokenness, or however you want to phrase it. And and I, I think that all of us go through a journey of being broken because we need to die to self for those of us that are followers of Christ. I think people outside of that uh, group that we're in, that uh, called, that those of us that are adopted into his kingdom, People, they may not understand that, but brokenness and sacrifice is something that's going to contrast what we talk about later, which is the American dream, because the American dream is the opposite of that for most people. But I was pursuing with vigor all the material items that the world had to offer, in my opinion. And I'm a child of the 80s. Uh, Actually, I'm more of a child of the 60s and 70s. But I came into my thought process, the way I thought about business, money, and all during the 80s. And the joke that I tell people, I think uh, Michael J. Fox was on this television show called Family Ties, I think was the name of it, where he played mm-hmm. Alex P. Keaton. I hope that's the right one. If not, somebody can correct me. Do y'all have fact checkers? Have- <laughs> we no. have an asterisk and a text box sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, all, that's all we need. But um, I was Alex P. Keaton. I mean, I was in high school. I wore the tie, had the suit and all that. And I was going to make me some money. I mean, I was, and I don't know where that came from. My, both my parents were educators, but uh, I was going at it. And um, I won't go through all this story, but, and in a business setting in the early 90s is where I met Jesus Christ. And so my paradigm is a little bit different. I did not go down front in a church. I wasn't around a church a lot growing up. I mean, I kind of went in and out, but it was the cursory, uh, let me bless them with me and, and, you know, not the other way around type kind of right. thing. And um, so we did well. And over the years, we did well in business. We made a lot of money. We lost quite a bit of money, ups and downs. And as we headed into 2008 is the story, I think, that matters for what we're discussing here. We were living in a 6,000 square foot home and th- the size is irrelevant. It just gives people a perspective. It wasn't a starter home. It was a big home in a country club environment, auto lake, golf course, all that kind of stuff. Right. And we also uh, had two companies that would have been valued at seven figures plus. And we owned at that time over $15 million in, this is going to be the asterisk, this is going to be the exclamation point in real estate in 2008. Mm-hmm. All of our businesses were in real estate. Mm-hmm. And we went through a long, painful process of brokenness. And in 2013, we were homeless, bankrupt, living out of a Honda van. And that's uh, really kind of when I would say the journey begins. Because that's when God said, ah, I've got his attention now. Now, he didn't bring any of that on. That's not the doctrine that I believe. Some people actually think that kind of stuff. I don't think that. But I know when he recognizes something he could use, he's going to he, he's going to take advantage of that. And that he did. And the journey since 2013 has been powerful because that's really when I believe I stepped into what I'm supposed to be doing in his kingdom. Mm. Yeah, that's that's exactly you you hit it right on the head. That whole story, what you've done, the the conversations that we've had with you over the years. um, That's exactly why we wanted to bring you on, because you've experienced so many angles. And then as a podcaster amongst other I know you're amongst many different types of podcasters, but you do you know, surround yourself with Christian podcasters as as one vantage point. And so you get to hear a lot and see a lot and read a lot, watch a lot of how different local assemblies and how people influenced by different denominations are interpreting money, like walking out that interpretation of money and how these things that 
you were all wrapped up in for decades and now you see completely differently in a lot of ways how the everyday church is handling those things. And I think one of the big things I wanted to start out with, the big question, you know, there's there's this false dichotomy that you're either like the rich young ruler and that then money bad, or it's like prosperity gospel, like you just have to manifest and pray, ask, and you will receive, shaken down, pressed together, give and give, and it'll be given right back. Like there's there's a big group of middle people that don't fall in either category, although those get the big shined lights on them all the time. And I just wanted to ask like what how would you define a healthy mindset in the midst of, you know, materialism and consumerism and the American dream? Like, how would you define a healthy, godly mindset about money? And what are some of the, I guess, red and yellow flags that people could start paying attention to when they realize they or their local assembly needs prayer about how they see money? Yeah. The, before I answer that, I want to give a little bit of context on something else that may be helpful. Yeah. When I was first saved, I I was working in a corporate position in Atlanta, Georgia, but we actually joined a multi-level marketing business. And that that's actually the environment I was saved in. Some people might go, Oh my gosh, I actually made a lot of money in that business also and learned a ton of stuff. But because of the mindset that I had when I was saved, I gravitated towards what we would call a prosperity gospel church, a flashy pastor living at 120% of what they were really making. And I'm talking about the whole body of that church was doing that. And I stepped right into it and I enjoyed the heck out of it, truthfully. And, and I had to kind of purge some of that, but I want to say this, in looking back now at where I'm at, and, and this may be controversial, we could discuss it and bat it around. I actually believe that a large percentage of the Americanized or first world church really is worshiping the prosperity gospel, truthfully. Right. They're, they're worshiping comfort. Their buildings need to look a certain way. They need to be driving certain things. And so I do want to say I'm very familiar with the prosperity gospel. The challenge that we have in, let's just call it the church, is that we're almost like Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to money. Right. We we believe that we should be living comfortably and that God is there like an ATM machine just to bless us Mm. because we do certain things or we check the boxes or whatever. (laughs) But then maybe for our pastor, we think the pastor should be poor. Or that it's okay for missionaries to be poor. So it's it's almost like we've got this schizophrenic view yes. of money. And and you know I'm I'm going to dive right into some scripture that was impactful for me. And first of all, I said I I've listened over the last few years to the Sermon on the Mount in out of Matthew. I don't know how many times. And one of the things I want to give a tip for anyone. I want to challenge anyone. Read it. But get one of these apps like Dwell or, uh, you know, Bible app or something and actually get a, a voice that you're comfortable with. And maybe if you think it's Jesus voice, you could pretend it is <laughs> and listen to the Sermon on the Mount. Because mm. what I would do is it, it takes about 15 to 16 minutes at regular speed, by the way. I listen to it over and over again. And in Matthew 6, starting at about 20, there's the talk of you can't serve two masters. Mm-hmm. And it goes all the way down and it talks about food, clothing and shelter. And it gets to Matthew six thirty three. And uh, I don't necessarily have a life verse. You know, people say, oh, what's your life verse? But if there's a verse that I use to guide me as much as anything with the way I'm wired. Now, different people need different things. I get it. But for me, Matthew six thirty three, it instructs me to seek first his kingdom and this is my paraphrase, and his righteousness, and then those things that were mentioned up above it in, you know, 20 through 32 will be added unto you. This is the food, clothing, and shelter, the materialism, all the material stuff that we're going to talk about. And so what I noticed for me is that I got the verse all flipped around. Even when I was saved, even when I was going to church, even when I thought I was doing what God wanted me to do, I would seek first those things. Mm. And right. then I'd get to 
the kingdom of God and maybe a little bit of his righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to say what most of us do that get us off track and we I, we could talk about a lot of the spectrums and how it right. swings in the pendulums and all this going on is we reverse Matthew six thirty three. Mm. No, I, I, whew, right. Actually we're right on point. See, he, he said, you know, I don't, I don't we know how y'all feel. We might have to bat this. We're about to hit this thing out the park because, <laughs> because we've, we've had some time to grow since we first met Tim too. And, and it's like, you have two sides of this. You got the side that's chasing money, chasing things, chasing this. You got the other side. that's like, no, we can't make no money. <laughs> remember Tim, remember, the, remember those conversations early on with us. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. And now, and now, you know, we pay out of pocket for our podcast. We're like, man, how can we get some support? And I was <laughs> but it's like, but, but we, we sit there and it's this ministry thing and exactly what you're saying in that we seek the things and we do see that in churches. We, we start to see that things become a priority over the body of Christ. Um, you know, you'll have those people who are serving on a Sunday and, and then all of a sudden just more things are added and more things are added, but there's no more personnel added. So that's one example. Um, then you go to the other side of that and, and, and you're looking for this security. You're looking for the things that are going to keep you going, the house over your head, the roof over your head. And you're trying to make this on your own. And I like exactly what you said. Seek ye first the kingdom. And he, he adds these things like he will, he will take care of you. I mean, even in your worst moment, you had a van. You had a roof over your head. You, you know, you had your wife still beside you. Mm -hmm. And you and, and, and I'll bet you weren't going hungry. Right? No, I, I don't think anybody, well, some people may, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. But, uh, it, it's hard to go hungry in the world <laughs> right. we're in today. Right. Right. And, and Shay, I want to say it even, and you know, I, I think y'all know me enough. I kind of go down a path and if we yeah. think that from a theological standpoint, we need to back it down, but I, I think the Holy Spirit's moving right now. And so I, I actually connect the dots quite a bit in scripture, or at least I ask the Lord to help me connect mm -hmm. the dots. You know, so many times what we do is we'll pluck out a scripture right, mm -hmm. and we'll say, beloved, I wish above all things that they may us prosper and be in good health. Right. Well, you know, that was just a greeting at the beginning of a letter. Right. That wasn't like a commandment. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, listen, I get it. I think the Lord wants us to do well. But he's after our hearts. Right. And we have to go back up. And I, I sometimes can't remember the exact scripture, but it's at the top of that. It's um, no one can serve two masters. So here's what I believe, Shay, is if we jump down to 633, if we go from 25 down to 633 yep. and we're searching after those things first, then I believe it's a reflection that we're serving the master we're not supposed to. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I would agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because that, uh, it's really the, the gauge, the gauge of right. it. Listen, if I'm thinking about my work, my job, my checking account, my my stuff, my, uh, you know, my pursuits, my hobbies, my whatever. If I'm thinking about that all the time, that's where my heart is. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, right. some people say, well, wait, I've got to I've got to get a job. You know, a lazy man. You can't be lazy and all that. I, I don't know how to convey this, but I, I was wired to be one of these guys hmm. that worked 20 hours a day. And during the, during the eighties, nineties, up into the two thousands, I was very proud and prideful of the fact that I could literally outwork, I think almost anybody. And there's probably people listening in going, yeah, that's me too. But something that's fascinating to me in the position that I'm in now, the less I do, the more financial resources we have. Right. It, it, it ain't, I'm from Georgia, so I'll, if you need a translator here, it ain't about me. <laughs> right. Amen. Right. It's, it's about him, his kingdom, his righteousness. And if I am pursuing my assignment in his kingdom, he'll take care of the resources that I need for that. And I, and I use the word resources, guys in place of money because some people yes. think it's just a check right. you know they right. think oh i need the right. money if i ha if i won the lottery everything's going to be awesome no it's not you'll be right. the same person <laughs> right just with 1.6 billion problems now instead right. of the hundred dollars of problems that you got currently right but but i have doesn't that make people think that this is like okay so we we want security right I think that that is like one of those things that's ingrained in us. I've got people who, who I would say work way too much. 
because they're 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 worried about like tomorrow. It's, it's it's really interesting, and they do okay. It's like it's not like they're you know it's like they're barely making it. No, they're fine. In fact, if they backed it down a little bit, they could probably still be fine. And and, and but but they end up taking themselves away from God, and, and so basically that that physical security, that worldly security, is, is being exchange, exchanged for spiritual security. You know, and it's like, and, and so in that spiritual security, which is where you found your your bottom, because honestly, Tim, you have not quit working. I mean, yeah, you do less, but you're still putting a business together. I mean, it's not like you just said, okay, I'm gonna go work at, uh, I'm gonna go work at Chick-fil-A. You still stayed in that same mentality of business, right? Yeah. How did, how did you put that balance together? I mean, like, cause I see you working with people. I see that, you know, you've got coaching and you've got all these other things that you're, you're kind of, you constantly, you're, you're the one to always see just kind of moving all the time. You sit there and say you're doing nothing, but I'm like, wait, Tim's moving. But but it does seem it, like a relaxed flow. I will say that. Yeah, like it's not right. a, like you can tell Tim is not grinding 20 hours a day like an energizer right. bunny. It's but everything is intentional or at least, you know, submitted to the Lord from what we observe. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Well, that that brings up a great thing. First of all, I think some people might say that working at Chick-fil-A could be the ultimate, um, yes. you know, assignment. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't want to cut Shout down Shout out Chick-fil-A. Josiah. Hi, Josiah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get beat up on that side. Yeah, Chick-fil-A is awesome, y'all. I love it. I eat there except on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, keep, keep your stones in your pocketbooks. Don't stone us. We're just, we're just bringing yes. up the point here. Uh, you know, the word that came to mind, Michelle, is the word Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And so many people, especially if they just hang out in the Old Testament, they think that that word says, and they read the Gospels. I'm doing a read through chronologically of the Gospels right now, which is challenging me a little bit because mm. the order of the four Gospels can it kind of be tough. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the Pharisees, the religious, the law, it says that the Sabbath is a period of time. Mm-hmm. My thoughts are that what Jesus did on the cross, what he Mm. did for us as far as eternal life, basically took time off the table. I don't know what that means exactly from a practical standpoint, right? but we have eternity. Mm -hmm. And so if we've got eternity, what we're doing here becomes, I don't wanna say less significant. Some people get uncomfortable with that, but it's not as important as I think it is. And I could think I could think myself to be pretty darn important, more important than I probably need to be. And so Sabbath is to me resting in that truth that we've got eternal life. It's knowing that it's all okay, that we're gonna have trials and tribulations here. And and there's gonna be some things that really suck. I mean, I just got a message from someone that they've got cancer. And or it's a relative and and they're wanting to know what how to minister their right on their last few minutes. I said, that sucks. That is not that is the world's broken system. Mm. And you know what, though? But if they believe in Christ, they are about to be so glorified and shouting and dancing at a level that we can't even imagine. So I I think I was veering off track there. But what what I was saying is the way that I believe that we should function and, and it's a challenge is operating in what I would call a Sabbath or being at rest in peace. I, I just actually did some writing and and I call it peace, which a lot of people don't know what that word means, but it's just, it's being connected with our creator. And because we're connected with our creator, we've got a comfort level that we know who we are. We're adopted into his kingdom and everything's good. Mm. Now the challenge, I want to jump on something you said, Shay, and then we could kind of go from there. The challenge is, is that there's an enemy that wants to do everything they can to keep us from operating at a place of rest and Sabbath. And they want us to be focusing on that last part of Matthew 6.33 as much as we can, because they know the more we do that, then we're serving the master that's not our ultimate master. And, And that is a daily walk. I think, you know, when we, when we have the scripture where, you know, we're supposed to stand against the devil, stand against the enemy. I think the stand is don't, don't let him take your time. Don't let him take your, your mindset of the way you should be chasing after money. Cause the minute you start chasing it, you're serving that master. 
And so I I think that might answer your question a little bit of kind of how I try to function and operate. Now, I'll tell you this. Had y'all talked to me in 2006, seven, eight, not that you would have been talking to a different guy, but y'all would have been going, man, that guy is wired. He is <laughs> going at it. He is chasing after that. And and I'm a, I was a Christian, you know, I mean, I was like doing some ministry stuff and all of that, but man, I was going at it and hard charging and, and I still kind of do that, but I pause a lot more yeah. than I used to. That, that control that you were talking about, I wanted to vouch for it because In my own life, you know, I have a job that, you know, as I focus more on, you know, raising our daughter and, you know, getting this house, you know, in gear during the day. But I used to freak out like anytime there was a bill, I ran scrambling for another freelance job to quickly compensate for this extra need. And I realized that one, it was stressful because suddenly I'm God, right? Trying to manipulate and force things to happen. But on top of that, I love the Lord's relationship with me because he will literally withdraw all favor in a moment, in, a, in, a, in an area to, to wake me up for a second. And I would be getting jobs, you know, by just calmly trying to get them. But as soon as I started freaking out, panicking, feeling this urgent need and started trying to get more, I would get none. And first it was a slap in the face. It, it blows your pride because you're like, hey, I'm good. You know, like, you should, like, why is no one wanting to work with me? But then it clicked because I realized the issue is not God giving me favor with giving me jobs. It's that my heart is just wrong right now. I am doing all the verses wrong. I am worrying about tomorrow. I'm taking it into my own hands. I'm caring more about money. I'm trying to pile it up quickly. You know, in Proverbs, it says rapidly gained money will fade, you know, (laughs) and I'm doing everything that's wrong. And so I said, okay, I understand, Lord. I'm sorry. I resubmit this business to you. I'm submitting myself back to you. I'm back. I'm repenting. I'm putting my mind back in to humility and just ease. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to not trust you just because the timeline moved up. And suddenly I'd be getting jobs again without having to ask for them. And so I can really relate when you say I'm doing less. I get clients by just sitting there doing someone else's work, not trying to promote myself much at all. And yes, technically I could become a master of promotion and tons of people would be hitting me up. But instead I say, Lord, who do you want me to work with? And they just show up. And it's a different model. But like you said, the stealing and the killing and the destroying that the enemy loves to do, sometimes people think he's going to steal your stuff, he's going to kill your family and friends, and he's going to destroy (laughs) your happiness. And I'm like, yeah, all the things you wrote in there, those are all temporal, including friends and family. And no matter how much we love them, right, those ties, they're going to be all that awesome and better in heaven, right? So really, let's replace those things here with the eternal things, you know? And so I'm, my mind's firing off as you're talking. So one thing about that, you said you're good, but you're not God. You Mm -hmm. you are good. You're really super talented at at what you do. You've done work for us and it's been very greatly appreciated. It's awesome. And, and I probably have thought similarly, I'm really good. Oh, look, I'm doing really good now, Mm -hmm. but I'm not God. And so this is something, Michelle, and this is kind of where it gets into, uh, I don't know how to think about this, but there was a time where I knew all the marketing tips and tricks and stuff like that. And I would use them and they would work and they would bring in business because you brought this up just a second ago. You know how to, you know how to hustle and promote yourself Mm -hmm. and things like that. But because of the maturity level you're at and you know what we're talking about here, I I don't want to say if you tried to promote yourself, it wouldn't work. (laughs) But it's almost like you've negated the ability to go out and do it on your own power now mm. yes. because of what you know. That's good. And, and I say that to people out there because they might be scratching their head on that. But because when you start reaching certain levels of maturity, and I'm not saying we're mature, we're working on it, but right, we're not right. mature yet. But because we know certain things, we can't go back. We, mm-hmm. we can't go back to, you know, the baby's bottle or anything like that. We're on stake 
I hope I'm on steak. I'm hopeful that I'm eating steak now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm hopeful that I'm eating meat and stuff like that, you know, of, of the word and things. So I, I do think it's important for us to understand that because it's, um, you know, there are tactics that we can implement. But those tactics are tactics that work in the world system and we're, op- we're, we're kingdom of God. We, right. we are in the kingdom right. of God. Right. And it, it, whatever you think about the world system, it's not even exactly opposite. It's almost like an opposite with a mirrored effect. Yes. In that you can see things that work, but you don't quite know how. And that's what Jesus did when he's talked about the kingdom of God. He basically said everything you think works. It's the opposite in my kingdom. Mm-hmm. And money is irrelevant love is the currency in the kingdom of God. Mm. You know, mm. it doesn't, it doesn't matter because we know in a certain number of years, I'm turning 59 years old here shortly. So I'm almost halfway with the life that I have here on earth, <laughs> but possibly, <laughs> I don't know. Um, my wife and I've always said, we'd love to have 120. I don't know. We're looking around going, man, maybe not. Right. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> An eject button might not be the maybe. worst, but hey. Just, just a few more grandkids. That's, uh, that's what. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, so that's, that's something that, uh, I think is, it kind of can start messing with our heads Mm -hmm. and that is we can't use even our spiritual principles that we thought 10 years ago, 20 Mm -hmm. years ago, because we should have moved beyond that. I hope that we've moved beyond that. Mm. Right. Right. I, I, an analogy on that, like we end up drinking the GMO, the antibiotic milk, <laughs> right, and then and then we go up there. And we then we start chowing down on some meat. We're like, oh, my stomach hurts. Uh-huh. And then we go back to the farm and we get that whole unpa- you know, that that unpasteurized milk, that raw milk, that raw milk. And then God starts pumping it through us. Uh, but I'm sitting here listening, and I want to I want to redirect for just a second because this is breaks and bills of the church, right? Mm-hmm. And when we're thinking of the church, and and you know, there's this mentality too. It's like, uh, do people come in saying, how can I serve the church, or how can the church serve me? Uh, I know, I don't know where you stand in church. I know that you said the Western church has a lot of prosperity. And if you look at it deep enough and you start really sifting hard, you can see that, you know, they want to have the new road. They want to have the new sidewalks. They want to make sure the paint's right. They want to make sure the lights are right. They want to add more stereo system to the, to the music. They want to add fog machines. I mean, this can go like all kinds of directions. And then you got the other direction of the people are like, we're going base raw, nothing. We don't need nothing. We don't have anything. And so when we're looking at the church and actually both of those are wrong. I think both of those actually have the wrong mentality where we start stripping away because then what do you do? It's like if you, if you go on one side of belief, then you can't even be, be part of consumerism. Now you got to move out to a farm. You got to raise your own chickens. Don't use anything that the world has to offer because it's been polluted or infected. Right. And, and or you got the side that just blows it out. Like you said, prosperity. So when you think of church, when you think of church, what is a fix? I mean, what is something that you think could benefit the church in this in this way of, of balancing the two, you know, with well, consumerism and, and having to have these necessities, but also being able to be spiritual? Yeah, it's a great question, Shay. And I, I want to say right up front here that I'm I don't think any of us are qualified to answer that, but I'm going to give no. an answer anyway. <laughs> yes, I don't I don't think I'm qualified yeah. But I've got thoughts. I spent a couple of years in Bible school around a boatload of Christians and I love Christians. I really do. I am one myself, but dang, <laughs> they, they, there's so many people that were showing up at Bible school thinking that just because they committed to Bible school, the Lord was going to start just taking care of them. Mm-hmm. They were going to get to move into a full-time ministry role and their, their lives would be totally awesome from then on out. And they were good hearted people, but there were some people that were extremely lazy. They wouldn't work a day in their lives. There were just so many issues there, but I I think there's a few things that I want to say about that. I'm trying to almost pause just a little bit, just to make, make sure I don't come across too uh, condemning because Mm -hmm. I, I want to say that the capital C church of Jesus Christ, I love it with all my heart because he does my concern is the small C buildings that we see scattered all over the landscape have very little, if anything, to do with that capital C church. Uh, I think some of them are trying and some of them are trying real hard. And I wonder, some people might need it. I'm a systems engineer. I'm an industrial and systems engineer. So structure 
sometimes matters to me. I wonder if we've structured them wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it was Francis Chan that shut down his mega church. And he said, when I looked around and realized that I've got more people on staff than Jesus had, I knew something wasn't right. And so he shut things down and started moving in a different direction. It was very controversial at the time. But and we visit a lot of churches. Um, I hear language early on in many of the churches that I walk into that are not exactly this, but it's this is where you belong. This is home. This is your family. <laughs> you know, the, the the branch and the vine, you know, er, you need to connect, sign up for the parking lot ministry. This is where you need to be. And most people are consumers when it comes to church. They just go. And so that's one thing that's important. The second thing is, is that we being part of the Greco-Roman structure that we kind of spun off from, we compartmental our lives, compartmentalize our lives. We have our church life, we have our work life, we have our hobbies, we have our family, we have our other stuff, our sports, you know, that we love. And to me, the true ecclesia, the church of the New Testament permeates every fiber of who we are. Mm. And we can't satisfy that, we can't scratch that itch a few hours a week and we try to we try to real hard and check that box but then here i'm kind of building here the biggest thing is that i see is most people that attempt to start churches they initially start i think with a pureness of heart they want to go into ministry they want to share the gospel but there comes a time when there's a staff there that needs to be paid there's a building that has a mortgage there's Mm -hmm. overhead there's lights that have to come on where there's a step over from building the kingdom of God to building my kingdom. And the minute they start leaning that way, Shay, that's when things get off track. And we could probably trace it back up to, you know, Matthew 6, 21, which they're serving mammon, not God. because they need to get their salaries in. They start making decisions based on money, based on volunteers and things like that. So that's, I mean, There's a lot to that, and I threw a lot out there, but the bottom line is they're probably building their kingdom, not God's Mm -hmm. kingdom. Mm. Yeah, I I think it hits on some of the bullet points that I had. It's just thoughts about how these mindsets that, you know, in in the title of the show, how they impact the church, like both the big and little C churches, right? Because it's a ripple effect all the way through. And one of the ways is your definition of reasonable will change depending on what your priorities are and what kind of philosophy you have. And because we actually had an episode with Israel Wayne, I think it's episode two of the season where he we were talking about, you know, what he likes to call boxianity, which is exactly what you were saying. The segmented boxes. We like to say it's a it's a pizza and You need a Jesus pizza. When you come to Christ, the whole pizza is now a Jesus pizza. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people still think that only one slice is Jesus flavored and the rest are still the other flavors. And they just rammed an extra slice into the box and said, hey, now I'm a Christian. And the reality is they very well. It's not my job to say if they're not or if they are. But if they are, the whole pizza surprise is Jesus flavored. But they're still thinking that they're just pointing to one slice and saying, that's that. And then as they grow, they might say, okay, that two slices, or maybe it's a bigger slice. But it takes most people a long time for it to click that the whole pizza is Jesus flavored. And I think that that's one of the things that we see in the church um, is the idea that God can command you to do something that sounds ridiculous to the human mind, but is exactly what he wants you to do that's, that stops sounding reasonable when the risks get higher because of the reasons you said. You know, there's people on salary, you know, the mics are breaking, you know, we've got a mortgage, we've got all these things. And what's funny is the if the church leadership falls into that trap, it will trickle down and be reinforced in the members that mentality, whether or not or it's worse, ever spoken. That's who they will attract. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and sometimes it's actually the members that will influence leadership because leadership came in with that pure heart. And I'm not saying that you lose anything salvation wise, but you can stunt, you can pause, you can p- temporarily plateau when 
the congregation starts asking for things to make it to spiff it up or, you know, they start asking for ministries that they're not going to be a part of. They just think it's important to have it. You know, things like that, where where suddenly the consumerism, it's like, well, the customer's always right. And I'm going to conduct a customer survey and I'm going to submit it to the manager and I'm going to decide to, you know, maybe invest a little less in this business till I see a change. Mm. You know, um, whether it be my my person hours or my donations or, or my attentions or, or what have you. And I think that those kind of things start to influence. And so one thing is definitely to pray for our leadership mm. to be able to withstand the everyday person that's broken in the hospital that needs to be hearing that these things are not the point, not the ones who need to tell you you're being unreasonable for not being as freaked out as they are at the state of the budget right now. Yeah, I, 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 as I'm hearing all of this, there's a lot when, when you put up four walls in the church. <laughs> there's a lot that happens with that, uh, like that, that can hold the ministry. And, and you said this, you know, once you cross a certain point, now you go right into the enemy's hands. And he starts to manipulate and work in all of these things. Uh, something that we push in our ministries here. We do go to church. You know, we, we do have the four wall. We go to church every Sunday. Um, but we also have a very big push on community. I know, and it, and it has been driven from here. All of a sudden, the pastor's daughter jumps in on this. And like now we're building these 20s and 30s groups, these life groups. Um, we have more life groups now than we've ever had because I'm, we're really enforcing, because there are some important things here. Yeah, they went to the temple in Acts chapter two, right? But that's not the only thing they did. They continued to break bread from house to house, Right. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved because it's it's a personal level now. And that is where we also run into problems. I mean, man, we are we, we, we just keep going. Right. We'll just keep going. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> because because there's 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 things important here to talk about because and, and we barely just tipped it because when you start thinking of this, this community. When you say the big C, it's community. You know, it, it, it is people that are meeting together and coming together and breaking bread. When you spoke of Francis Chan, that is exactly what he did. He, he decided to turn off the lights, turn off the electricity, turn off all of the, the cost of the overhead and all of these things and go to these small, small church groups, you know, the, the small groups, um, home church, however you want to define this, because uh, he saw a greater need. Whether you agree with his doctrine or not agree with his doctrine, I don't really care. I do like I do like what he did because now all of a sudden he's taking all of that same money because he didn't lose a lot of people. In fact, he gained some more people and he moved overseas even. And it's just kind of growing, but it's like they're taking this money and now they're, they're putting it back. I don't know what he does with his finances. That's between him and God. But I do know that that was the goal up front was to bring the, 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 to take care of the poor, to take care of the, the widow, to take care of the community. And I think that sometimes when we get locked into that church mentality and we have overhead and salaries and we're like trying to figure out, you know, cause a pastor, honestly, I'll say this. If you have four walls in a church, a pastor should be available to the congregation. He shouldn't have to be working a full-time job. Now on the other side of that, we have pastors who work full-time jobs. Hello. And, 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 and it's just what we do. We work a full-time job and we do full-time ministry and we work our, our family in is the most important thing. And we make sure we have time for them because that is my first ministry, but we run into these problems. Well, I want to, there's so many things I want to jump yeah, in here. Go also. Ahead. <laughs> what, one thing I want to jump in on is because most of the body are consumers. They are not maturing to a level where they can be somewhat of a minister themselves. So they are pretty much deferring <laughs> Y'all, I think y'all are going to be okay when I say this. They are deferring, number one, a lot of their uh, spiritual knowledge to whoever is in the pulpit. They don't do a lot on their own. Right. It's like whatever the guy said, I'm for it. 
if he says we're against it, I'm against it. It's like, mm. <laughs> have you studied it out yourself? Do you have a personal relationship? That might be right. my biggest challenge with what we have in the church is that people are yeah. locking into tradition and they're, or they're following a man, maybe sometimes a woman and or a denomination, and they're not questioning or pursuing relationship with their creator on their own. That's what Jesus did for us so that we could have a personal relationship, not so that you could go listen to someone tell you what you should be thinking about whatever the scripture. And we see it all the time. I mean, the political landscape that we see in our country, right. the United States, uh, it's just a lot of people following whatever they're told. And, and so that's one thing. The second thing is that maturity thing. If people were spending more time on their own, I believe that we wouldn't have to put so much of a burden on the quote unquote leader. I mean, if y'all want to go down a leadership conversation, don't get me started there. I think we're asking too much right. of yes. most. Yes. I, I think we're putting in a position that is almost impossible to Absolutely. succeed. They're going to have challenges. They're going to have financial issues. They do need to be full-time with what we're asking them. But I don't think we need as many full-time pastors and leaders as we have we need more people in the body doing some stuff there you go it's not just one person in a body of a thousand people that can go visit people at the hospital amen everybody can i mean not everybody right. go at once but <laughs> not a thousand <laughs> so, so yeah 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 but but so i i think there's so many things we have gosh and this is gonna sound rough too we have a very immature body the, yeah. the body is very immature and all we have to do is look at covid all that happened during that time mm -hmm. i hope it's not a bad thing me saying that and y'all get a warning on the bottom of y'all's podcast just because we brought it up yeah. but uh you know we really saw how immature and poorly structured mm. and how we really aren't equipped to meet the challenges that we're going to be facing because it's going to get worse folks right we know it's going to get worse because yeah. if you've read any of the book <laughs> it's going to get worse right. we have got to have more mature people yeah. that aren't chasing after the dollar bill right. that that their master is their heavenly father not mammon because we're going to have some interesting challenges and so we need people to uh, to step up and maybe that's maybe that's not so much bashing the current church. It's bashing the body itself right. that we're not progressing like we need to. But in breaks and builds that that fits right into it because it's it usually turns out to instead of being how can I serve the church is how can the church serve me? And 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 when we think of the big C and, and, and you look at that book again, that book again, I don't see where it says that I serve myself first. I I, I have not ran across that passage yet. Anyone out there that wants to challenge me on that, please, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But you don't see that. You see selfless service. You see servitude. You see this this body of Christ. And that could be like what you just said, actually. See, we, we sit there and say, well, how can the four walls, how can the four walls, how can the, the four walls are failing? But maybe we're failing. Maybe we're failing God's church, God's church. Maybe we're failing God's kingdom. Because you said it, we have been given. Last night I preached a message and I gave 70 roles that the Holy Spirit plays in a believer's life. And when you read those roles, you have been more than qualified and equipped to serve your brother and sister in Christ. Yeah, I, one of the things that I think, it's funny, so this is telling um, for our loyal listeners, like I'm not talking about y'all clearly because you listen no matter what. So shout out to you. But what's interesting is when last season we had a season on evangelism, mm. our numbers went down. This season we have a season about breaking and building up the church. The numbers go up. I think one of the reasons <laughs> is because this body of believers is very used to relying, it actually is revealing, relying on the four-walled official church with a steeple kind of place to get it together, make sure you don't offend me, make sure you provide what I need, don't double-cross me, don't betray me, don't let me down. Yes, I do want to hear a season on how I can make this church, slap it around a little bit, make it better. Plot twist, we are the church. So plot twist, y'all listening to a season about how you need to be broken down and built back up because you are a brick in the body 
or in the building. You are a cell in the body. And that's the whole point. There is no church without all of us. Right. There, and I think that that's one of the things that happens in, we can only speak to America, but I think there's believers all around the world anywhere that they have a, a meeting place with leaders. Like it all gets pointed back to leader. Well, you know, in the garden, you know, even Adam, he was guilty. Being like, but she told me to do it. But it's my pastor's job. But it's the church's job. Well, who's the church? The people who serve in it. That's the people that go. Mm. And, I, and I hear some brains going. Brains <laughs> going. We say Western church. Now I'm going to go somewhere. Go. <laughs> we say Western church. I am sorry. Africa is not the Western by our definition church. Right. And have the same problems. <laughs> They get four walls and they want to do more, 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 and they need more, 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 more money. Right. Well, that's because we've missioned, we've dropped <laughs> We've missioned them so a model we, that so, just so, does not. I, I, yeah. I'm not going to get into church history, but let me tell you something. Since the beginning of all of this, this, so I, I like, sometimes I wonder like, okay, what, where, where's the line on Western and, and. And before, right. because it's like, where is it just human nature I, I, and where is right. it culture? And, and so that whole Western church thing, I'm like, no, the, the four wall church has, has, has come to a point where it needs to be broken in a way that we come back to it, where we become back as servants to the communities, to the body of believers, yeah. to not just the body of believers, but those who are non-believers where we get out there and we show love and we show care and we show, 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 you know, this, 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 this humbleness to them where we don't sit there and we bang everybody out with our mouths and our tongues and our wickedness, but that we sit there humbly. Yeah. Okay, fine. Someone doesn't agree with my doctrine. Or I don't agree with their doctrine. We can have a conversation. We can't, we walk away. I get it, but we need to change. Mm -hmm. And that is what this is about. And I think that but back to the consumerism, right? It, it, it's, it drives this though. This need for fulfillment. When Jesus is sitting there saying, I am your fulfillment. And, yeah. and, and, and we need to grab that. Forget titles. I, I know they're out there, but why not just be titled a servant? Yeah, the, the, the challenge with that, I was just thinking, Michelle, it'd be yeah. awesome if you could test two titles to this episode. <laughs> you also you say, how to, break, how to break loose from materialism, consumerism, and the American dream, or title it something like, how to be blessed and prosper. Oh, <laughs> so, try. Oh, blessed and prosper. <laughs> you know what I, well, actually. It's a scientific faux pas, but I is. know which one's going to uh, win. <laughs> although you might not. But, anyway. but, but one of the things we did as we traveled, we spent some time in New Zealand and Australia when we were doing some traveling. And we went to uh, uh, a number of campuses of a big church that everyone would know their name in Australia. <laughs> and um, and I loved it because I love good music. I right. love uh, um I, I, I'd like to say I anyway, I love good music. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, one of the things I noticed that kept happening to me was I realized that I was being entertained hmm. and I did feel something, you know, some people say, oh, do you, do you, do you feel God moving? I'm going, I think so. Or it's the <laughs> guitar. I don't know. It could be, or the drum, which I love drums and I love bass. It could be that, or it could be God, or it could be both. I mean, I, I mean, right. I'm not going to get into that. I'm, right. I don't want to, I don't want to bust up that sacred cow, but I recognize it. And, and my wife and I visited a church a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not saying this is bad or not. It's just an observation. It was 10 AM on a Sunday morning and we walked in and I couldn't find the chairs because it was so dark inside because it was totally dark in the little, you know, where we sat and spotlights. And I can't remember if they had a fog machine or not. I'm not against those either. <laughs> right. But I was very entertained. Mm -hmm. And you know what bothered me about it? This is what came to me now, if this is right or wrong or whatever was that I knew some of the people there 
And I knew that they were going through some, what we would call in our culture today, some mental health challenges. They were suffering some ups and downs and all of that. I I think I had that growing up. I'm at the age where we didn't know what to call it then. We just said, get over it. And we did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't mean to be insensitive about that stuff either, but, and I'm sitting here going, they're being entertained. It's awesome. It looks good. It smells good. People are all cool, hip and all that, you know, cool preacher was up there and all that. And I I like all that, but I'm sitting here going, we're missing something because the people that are sitting out here being entertained are still hurting. Yes. They're not pressing in. And and I want to, I want to say this because I want to circle back to something that was very important for my story Mm. in the way God dealt with me. And I think it hits at almost a root of all that we're talking about here. I got saved, went through that prosperity gospel and I I got humbled a few times, but I was still churning and burning with business. I was looking around and this is what I did. I'm gonna exaggerate this a little bit, but I think y'all will get it. I looked at the house we were in. I looked at our bank accounts. I looked at the business and this is what I said. I said, we must be doing something right because look, at what God is doing for Mm. us. Mm -hmm. Now, two years later, you know, when all of a sudden I've got seven figures plus in debt, um, mortgages, people beating down our door, you know, we're paying one payment from credit from another and all of that stuff. And, and, And then I'm going, okay, is my relationship with God any different here? Mm. than it was Mm. two years before. The answer is no, Mm -hmm. but yet I'm sitting here. And so we look at big churches, we look at big buildings. I even had someone one time at the Bible school we went to say, well, it's very obvious that they're blessed. Just look at all their buildings and all that. And I just looked at them. I said, really? Mm. (laughs) Building that? What scripture (laughs) is that based on? And so this is where the Lord hit me with two by four. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just call this out here. Right. Right. As we're, I don't know if we're winding around. I can keep talking about this forever. I know. Right. (laughs) But um, during some of the most difficult times of my life, when I was, I was whining, complaining, Oh Lord, Oh Lord. What, why, 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 you know, you, you love me, you are blessing me. And now you're not what's going on. Well, earlier I said, he, finally was able to get my attention because I was broken. Right. Right. And if the church doesn't change, it will change when it's broken. Mm -hmm. Right. I think we might be getting close to that with what Uh, we saw during COVID. I, I hope there's a bit of a wake up. If not, there'll be something else that'll do it. But my conversation with the Lord went something like, Lord, I know that we were working together. I I mean, you gave me these businesses. You you blessed us and all this. And I felt as if the Lord told me. So this is not a blanket doctrine or anything for anyone. This is conversation that Tim had with the Lord. And he speaks to me in this way. He said, Tim, I am not an ATM machine. Mm. I'm not here for you to come running to me when you get in trouble or need something. I'm here at all times. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But just because you can't pay your bills, that's not what I'm here for. Just because you go out and start some business and it's going great when we're working together, then all of a sudden something goes sour. You come running to, I'm not an ATM machine. My desire is for us to do all of these things together for us to walk in the cool of the day for you and I to be partners in all things. I've got a kingdom to build in advance. Tim, I would love for you to help me, but if you don't, I'll get somebody else to help. Mm -hmm. Don't treat me like an ATM machine. That was my message that I needed to hear because I was treating God like just a transaction you know, I, and I love the Lord. Okay. I was say, I mean, I wasn't a heathen. I was a okay guy, but I was the compartment in a life. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing that we need to do. He is our source period. Wow. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yeah. He's not, I, I forget who said it. He's not a resource. He's the source. Right. The and source. that's how, when I came to him or I was on my path to him, I wasn't there yet, but he's like, you treat me like a genie. 
but I can be so much more, but I am so much more. And so, so it, it vibes well. And there's this verse that I had that I didn't know if it would place, but it's in Hebrews 13, five. And after all this conversation, I would hope that it would speak differently, but it says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, some people might read that and be like, content with what I have. All I've got is like a one bedroom, like a shoebox apartment, a crate for a chair and food stamps. Like how am I like, okay, that's easy for you to say, be content with what you have. And they're forgetting the last part that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what do you have? Mm. You have Christ. So no, you don't just have a shoebox apartment with a crate and food stamps. You have Christ. And if you would stop looking at the material and stop asking what you can consume and instead go to Christ, he'll direct you accordingly mm-hmm. in whatever in whatever degree, whatever that means, because it's not going to mean the same person for everyone. But there will be peace found in him mm-hmm. with how he directs your your path and whatever you end up with. But I think that that's that kind of sums up. Yeah the issue it, it's i'm gonna put uh, uh, man, i don't know where the analogies have come from lately usually it's this one she's usually the one with all this but we but we're downtown in silver spring and we're, we minister down there we talk to everybody we just communicate we're down there like you know hitting people over the head with bibles and stuff but we there's a homeless guy i've been in contact with for like shoot seven years that yeah. guy that we always talk to yeah i mean like and, and we just conversate i take him some stuff when i have it and one day i'm sitting there and i'm talking to him sitting outside chick-fil-a here we go again chick-fil-a and he's like I said, how's your day going? He goes, man, it's horrible. And I'm like, well, what's going on? He goes, he goes, I, I need money. And I said, well, I mean, you're sitting outside. Chief Flake goes, yeah, that's the problem. Everybody comes out and hands me a gift card. He opens his wallet and he's got, a, if you're not looking on the thing, he's got a stack about three or four inches thick, right, of gift cards. And so I sat there and I said, okay, so why don't you sell them? For what they're for less than what they're worth, and people would buy this, right? And you could you could offset your income, right? And he's like, but then I wouldn't get the full cost, and he missed the whole point. Like it's it was already a provision, it was given, and then he's trying to make something happen, and he could have if he would have just listened. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's what we do in life, and I think that that's what we're going through in church. What you said about the church um, and COVID. There it goes. That way we're both at, at, you know, getting check marked on that thing. I'll Uh, just mute the middle of the word (laughs) and say, forget you. But uh, (laughs) but I am a military tacticianist. And for some reason, God brought me, you know, he grabbed me at the right time in the right season and said, you come, come on, come to me, son. (laughs) And so when I'm looking at the church, I look at it the same way, Tim. I look at it as like, whoa, whoa with the direction, 2 Timothy 3.13, that this world is going, one day we might not, and it might not just be, it might not be this gradual thing, all of a sudden it's just like slam dunk, like they did, shut you down, don't say nothing. And if we're not in the Holy Spirit and we're not listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying before that time and and having that relationship with the Holy Spirit and knowing and building, look, life groups, groups around your community, groups around your house, People who will come together when things are bad and can, can, can be there for one another, edifying one another, lifting one another up. We're going to be in a lot of trouble. And it's because why? We're looking for things. We're looking yeah. for things. We're looking for the church to be a provision of something. And, yeah. and, and, it, and it is. It's supposed to be. The big C is supposed to be. We're supposed to come together. But we're going to find ourselves in there's trouble. A, there's a phrase that just came to mind, and I know we're probably way past time, but... <laughs> I, I do think I was actually interviewing someone on our podcast that had gone to prison, found Jesus while he was in prison. I won't go through the story, but somewhere during that time, both of us came to the realization that at various times of our life, if not our entire life, we had been addicted. We had an addiction. That's OK in our world. People think yes. it's OK. It's not. We had an addiction to more. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Not alcohol porn all that stuff's bad some of that's related by the way but Mm. we were addicted to more more. and i want us to think about it let's think about it in, in different layers here as individuals we are typically wired to do better 
and better usually is financial. We need pay raises. We need all that. And I'm not saying any of that's bad. I'm just saying that's our expectation as a church, as a body or as a business, I'll use business with me. We are typically expanding and growing, scaling. I could use all the words that we use in our you know, business coaching. We're trying to scale as a church. I bet no one has gone to a church that's got a hundred people sitting there and say, you know what? Our desire is to be 20 hardcore people in about a year. Right. So about 80 of y'all, we'd like to kind of call y'all back and really get down to a core group. No, no yeah. that <laughs> have y'all ever heard that? No, we want more. We are addicted to more. We need a bigger building. We need more buildings. We need more programs. We need a bigger parking lot. We need people to be able to pull in and we need a bigger children's ministry because children's ministry is what grows a church. We need all of that stuff. We're addicted to more and the kingdom of God it's about increase there is increase there but I don't think the increase is what we define it as right. it's what he defines it as and I think the increase is a capacity for our hearts mm. to reach out and minister and and co co-labor co-minister with each other and like you said I, I think it was you Shay there's going to be some interesting times if we don't see them, our children will and beyond that. And you know what? We need to be mature and prepared to be community. And I mean, you know, you talk about church, we need to be able to, there might need to be some people that can hunt. I'm in trouble. If that's the case, might need to be some people. But I got you. I got got you. We're good. I could could talk. That's all I could do is talk. I don't know what, I don't know what good. That's that's useful. Negotiation. Have you ever watched The Walking Dead? The talker has a role. Uh, (laughs) I did. I just, I'm hopeful that we do have slow zombies when we hit get to that point and <laughs> right, not the fast you know? zombies. I yeah. do work on my cardio, but I don't feel as fast. I as always I tell to. people, don't worry about zombies. The bugs will get them in a few days. You don't have to wait. You, it's not going to be a decade and long And then they struggle. throw out World War Z. Anyways. The, anyways, <laughs> anyways hey, right? So, love this. Yes. I love this. Thank you, Tim. Yes, thank um, you so much. I want to wrap up, though, because I want to go back to this, yes. the consumerism just as an outgrow. Um, I came across this pastor, Pastor Guy Salais. Um, and he said it like this. And, and when we think about this, let's look at this from the church perspective of consumerism. And let's look, look at the world. I want, I want that in your minds right now as I read this. He says, consumerism says, have it your way. Jesus says, pray then like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Consumerism says, happiness can be bought and sold. Christianity says, fulfillment is a gift of grace. Consumerism says everything and everyone has a price. Christianity says the things that matter most are priceless faith, hope, and love. Thank you for coming on, man. And look, that is it. That is it. Yes, you can reach Tim at timwinders.com and at the Seat Go Create podcast. He also has an amazing book out. All the links to all that stuff will be in the show notes. So until next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the show. Subscribe wherever you podcast and catch other great shows on the Edify app, Spark Radio, Spark Network on Uplifted and Eternity Ready Radio.